I'm in the business of selling real estate, but whatever it is that you need, I know somebody that knows somebody. So just lean on me in that way. I'll be able to get it done for you. I, I can almost assure you that. And and uh, one of the best compliments that I actually got in recent times was that someone called me a problem solver. He says, it doesn't matter. I, this person said, Luke, I, I find that whenever I need something to get done, you just find a way to get it done. And I think, you know, I give credit, I give credit to my long and extensive network of people. And I think it also just comes from the fact that I know that the more value I provide to others, the more they're going to want to return that, uh, you know, back to me anyway. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. And today, boy, do we have a phenomenal, phenomenal show for you. You know, so often people are thinking to themselves that one of their limitations is age. One, sometimes people are like, I'm too young. Who's going to believe me? I don't have the credibility. Or I oftentimes hear, I don't have the experience. Aren't people going to question me, That's if what people say all the time. I, I feel like I'm experience? going to be judged because of my age. Or I'm, right? I'm up against people that have experience. But right. we also hear as well, and I want to speak to both ends of the spectrum on this week's podcast, is that there's a lot of people that are like, well, it's too late for me. Right. And it doesn't matter where you fall on that spectrum or anywhere in between for that matter. We have today for you a fascinating story of a rocket ship rise to success in all of the trials, tribulations, and lessons that you learn when you find success quickly, what that feels like and what kind of problems that can cause and how you might overcome those problems. We stumbled across Luke Leasing, who is a super young real estate agent, realtor in Canada. In Canada, one of the most locked down countries during the pandemic, the COVID right. pandemic. For one of the longest periods of time. And this young man has managed to find incredible success. And when we get him on, I'm going to talk, I'm going to tell you why I was so intrigued about his story. Let's bring on Luke Leasing. Welcome to the None of Your Business podcast. Sean and Lacey, thank you so much for having me. You know, so we always start off with um, the same question, but your answer to this might be be a little bit unique yeah. um typically we have these people sure. that well we have these people that have like a track record in business and a lot of people are like wow i wish i could be like jay abraham or david Meltzer. i want to be like patrick bet david and oftentimes when we find people that are ultra successful we also tend to short circuit and think like well they've always been that way now, even though you are young and you have found tremendous success quickly, we also know you didn't just wake up one day and sell one property for a gazillion dollars and there you go. There's there's all there's all of your sales for your entire career. Lead us on that journey of how we end up speaking to you here. Why are you so successful in such a short amount of time? I think I, I cut my learning curve in half. And the reason or the way I did that was I just simply 
analyze when I got licensed at the age of 19 in real estate. I just thought, who is the highest performing agent in this country and how do I get a hold of that person? And long story short, after you know, through some networking events and things of that sort, I ended up getting in touch with a guy that goes by the name Jazz Takar, who at the time ran the number one team for Royal LePage Canada, you know, across the entire country. That year, he was number one in commissions, number one in units sold. And then I just reached out to him directly. I said, Jazz, you're the top dog in this business. I'm new in this business. I have no experience. I'd like to learn from you. And then at that time, he asked me, how long have I been in the business for? At that time, only six months long. He asked me how old I was. At that time, I was 19. And then he says, well, unfortunately, we don't take junior agents on. You need at least two years of experience. But then I stopped Jazz on that phone call and I said, Jazz, you're making a big mistake. I think you need to meet me. And I think that confidence and that boldness on that very first phone call with Jazz in like less than a minute and a half, that kind of caught him off guard. And then he said, you know what, you, you need to, you need to, he says, no problem, meet me next week. And then, you know, we were just speaking to your, to your friend, our friend here, James, you said that we were the quickest to, to book a podcast uh, here. But when Jazz told me to book, a meeting for him next week. I booked it on a Monday at 8 a.m. It was the first exact slot. I, I, I've always been operating with this now mentality. I don't know why anyone would want to wait a single day longer. There's no point in that. So the fact that I said those things to Jazz and the fact that I booked that meeting with him on a on a Monday at 8 a.m., that really impressed him. And he said, before you even showed up to, to the appointment, I knew right away we were just going to take you on the team anyway. So then, you know, in my first year in real estate, I, I, I worked as his assistant. And then after that, everything that I learned from jazz, I implemented it in my own business. And, you know, two years later, we're, we have about $180 million worth of real estate sold in our, in our uh, transaction books. So, you know, Luke, jazz might have been a student of Chet Holmes, yeah. something that Lacey and I teach through a hiring process. And even as you grow your career, you might want to use this line back on people. Um, Chet Holmes has a program. Chet Holmes since yeah. passed away. but uh, They still sell this program called How to Hire a Superstar. And obviously, Luke, you are a superstar. But in the program, that's how the sort of first phase ends is you would say to the prospect, listen, you sound like a great guy. You sound what? super... <laughs> your energy's right. I would love to hang out with you. You and I would totally get along, but, and then you have this, this thing that where there's a reason why you can't take them on. We don't hire junior agents. We, you know, this job is super fast paced and we're, we're, we're super energetic. Sometimes you might say you're actually overqualified. This isn't the right position. Yeah, you're going to be you. bored with us. And here's the key. A superstar Luke always says exactly what you said. I think you're making a mistake. Like, I don't think, yes. I don't think you understand. This is for me. This right. is for me. What a great um, testament. We, we literally teach this. And now we have live on the podcast, somebody who really springboarded their career by pushing back. Um, what we're looking for in that too, is the meek person who you could have easily said, okay, well, let me go work for two years and I'll call you back. But because you were bold enough to push back, that's what got you through that door. I, I got to say too, I love the idea uh, and the concept of the the now mentality. I want you to talk a little bit more about that because especially somebody at the age of you know 19 years old, like, is that something you feel like you've always had? You recognize having that when you were younger? Because even I know adults that have 
lots of confidence that would look at a mentor and learn from them from afar versus saying like, I'm going to go straight at this and I'm going to do this now because I just want to cut my trajectory and my learning curve, right? Like, so where does that now mentality come from and how else has that served you in your life? I think it comes from two things. I think it comes from one, the understanding that the only thing that defies the law of gravity is speed. The quicker, you know, we get things done, the more we can accomplish. The only way a rocket can get to space is, is through speed. It doesn't stop halfway. It doesn't slow down. It, you know, it doesn't take any breaks, none of that stuff. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing, and somebody asked me this earlier today, they said, well, why do you like, like, why do you like to get things done so quickly? Who did you learn that from? The, their question actually was, who's your hero? And I said, well, I never actually grew up with a hero. I actually always just had a villain. And the villain was just it pretty much everything I didn't want to be. And, and, and one of those characteristic, characteristics was somebody that procrastinated a lot, somebody that was, that was very lazy. And the reason why that, like, instead of me having a hero and, and someone to look up to, uh, you know, rather that I had like a villain, that fear of being that person really made me so uncomfortable that I, I essentially vowed to never, you know, develop those type of habits that would slow me down, that would make me lazy, that would make me fall behind my competition. So I know that you are um, now ultra successful at the young age of 22. Let's go back to 19 years old when you went to work with Jazz. You come in as an intern, as an apprentice. Um, describe some of the challenges. Um, what was that sort of runway like when you show up there? Um, were there any hard knocks, any sort of hazing or pledging or anything <laughs> that you had to endure to kind of um, earn your stripes, if you will? Yeah. So during that first year, and actually even I, I'd say even until now, I've become a yes man. And every time an opportunity came up to bring value to anybody in the circle, whether that's Jazz, Jazz's vice president, Jazz's business partner, or even to other agents in the office, whenever there was an opportunity to establish a footprint in this industry, I said yes. So I'll give you an example. I live in Toronto and there was a property that Jazz had listed himself in Kitchener, Ontario, which is about a two hour drive from Toronto. He didn't have any agents that operated in Kitchener, but he needed someone simply just to open a door, just make sure all the lights were closed because apparently somebody left the lights on after a showing and then close it and lock it up and leave. It was a two hour drive and I made that trek just to turn off the lights and leave. I didn't ask him for gas money. I didn't ask him if I was going to get an extra bonus at the end of the week or anything like that. He just said he needed something to get done. And that same day I got it done. So it's just the yes man mentality. And, and even until now, I tell a lot of people that I'm in the business of selling real estate, but whatever it is that you need, I know somebody that knows somebody. So just lean on me in that way. I'll be able to get it done for you. I, I can almost assure you that. And and uh, it's one of the best compliments that I actually got in recent times was that someone called me a problem solver. He says, it doesn't matter. I, he, this person said, Luke, I, I find that whenever I need something to get done, you just find a way to get it done. And I think, you know, I give credit, I give credit to my long and extensive network of people. And I think it also just comes from the fact that I know that the more value I provide to others, the more they're going to want to return that uh, you know, back to me anyway. 
I'd love to hear more about that from you because Sean and I talk about all the time relationship capital and how important it is to get into relationship with people and have an extended network of people that you can trust and then be able to share that network with others, just like you're doing yourself. But a lot of people say to me, well, I, I don't even know how to begin to build that network. And these are people that have maybe been working in their communities for a decade. I mean, you're 22 years old and have an extensive network of individuals. So how did you begin to build that? And do you have any like things or tips that you, you employed in order to build that network out? Yeah. I think the most important thing you need to understand when it comes to networking is that you don't have to look far at all. When I first started my future condo, which is my current real estate business. And I also started another business this year called AutoVision GTA. There's two, there's one thing that I did for both businesses with the same exact strategy. And that was, I called every single person that I know to let them know that this business has started and not that if they needed to use my services directly, but if they knew anyone that needed to use my services to let me know. And the reason why I took that approach because the average person knows 200 people. So If the average person knows 200 people, that means the 200 people you know also know 200 people. Therefore, your network is actually 40,000 people, not 200. So as a 22-year-old realtor or a 19-year-old realtor at the time, I knew that 19, 20-year-olds weren't going to be buying properties, buying condos, et cetera, et cetera. So I then said, listen, I know you're not in the position to, but if your aunt or uncle ever needs a property to invest in or if they need help with a rental anything of that nature, let me know. Like it, it would be, you know, very helpful for my business. So one, you don't have to look far because everybody that you already, that already know, like, and trust you, those are the people that are most likely going to use your services first. You don't have to spend too much money on marketing to get cold leads that don't even know you, especially just starting out. I would say start within your immediate circle. So let's bring it all the way to why. So Luke, we get, we must get, multiple inquiries every single week for people that want to be on the podcast. And usually there's a process. Right. Well, I skipped the process with you. I went straight to James. Right. And I was like, James, get him on. Mm-hmm. And then like you said, the next day, um, you're, you're already in the queue. Here we are recording. Um, and the reason why is cigar nights. So we teach a concept called always have something to invite people to it's, it's straight out of Book Yourself Solid. Yeah. It's a New York Times bestselling book by Michael Port, where you should always have something that you can invite people to. And it's not necessarily related to the thing that you do. You're, so, you're not necessarily selling there. You're just right. connecting you're with people. creating relationships. So a realtor could easily say like, of course, I always have something to invite people to. It's my next open, open house. house. Yeah. But that's the thing that you do. Right. And when I saw, so I, I just clicked the link, I I, I Got the inquiry. I clicked the link and I was like, wait, cigar nights. Now I like cigars. That's helpful. Yes, you do. <laughs> but but I was I read about this and I was like, this is this is amazing because at 22 years old, you have actually cracked the code on what we believe is the secret to building community. Is you find your ideal client, you find something that they can rally behind that they like, and you put on some sort of a recurring event around that. And what that does is it creates bonding and people realize that Luke is the one that organized it. And so then if they ever had any real estate needs whatsoever, you're the first person that they would call. 
Tell us about the genesis of Cigar Nights. Tell us how it's been going. Tell us the biggest breakthroughs and connections that you've made by hosting this on the surface simple event. Yeah, no, you got that absolutely right. I think the coolest kid in school is the one that threw the parties, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I think if every business owner understood that, like you don't need to go too crazy with all these big events and, and big speakers and things of that sort. Uh, so the Cigar Nights is something that pretty much came naturally. I started smoking cigars about two, two and a half years ago. And I found that everybody that uh, that surrounded my, that I surrounded myself with also liked cigars, but they didn't know much about it. They didn't know about how to smoke a cigar properly. And so I ended up becoming that person that, 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 that taught them. And then after networking, like I joined a private members club in Toronto and that really helped, you know, accelerate that part of the, the, the networking group that I established. And um, I don't know what else to say. It's just something that, that we do is for my clients, it's for my friends. And here's the funny thing, like anyone's welcome to join, whether you're you're actually interested in cigars or not. It's just really an opportunity for, you know, people to to, to have a nice night over some drinks, cigars, et cetera, et cetera. But I find that even if you're not necessarily in real estate, I'm attracting people that like cigars and eventually maybe they might want to buy, sell or invest in a property. It's yeah. not my intentions of trying to sell them or promote myself as a realtor or as a business owner of AutoVision GTA, really, it's just for me to do what I'm already doing, which is smoking a cigar. I actually had a cigar 45 minutes ago. I didn't <laughs> want to tell you guys because you guys are doctors. I didn't want to get criticized on this joke. But... No, no, you're good. <laughs> he smokes yeah. cigars. We have, yeah. So you have on, on that page, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I'm going to also, from Book Yourself Solid, right. twist on that. It's not what you know, it's who you know, but it's who knows what you know. And do they like you? And I think this thing is key, right? A cigar night and whatever anybody that's watching or listening, whatever you decide to put on, it might be a sushi rolling class once a month. It could be wine tasting. It could be rock climbing. It could be just walking around the, the lake, whatever it is. But it brings people together and gives people an opportunity to connect. And like Luke said, the coolest person is whoever threw the party. All right. you have to do is put it on. It's not that you had to invest a ton of money or be the smartest person in the room, but it's, it's people begin to know who you are and they begin to understand what you know about. They understand that Luke has cut his teeth and then starts selling these bigger and bigger real estate deals and they like him. So then either they themselves or their referrals are automatically going to him. And when I saw that, I was like, that has to be one of the keys yes. to his success is because he's cracked the code on building a community. And it's not just a community of buyers. It's a community of future buyers. And it's a community of people, what Dave Meltzer calls power sponsors, people who know someone who wants to buy or know someone who knows someone who wants to buy. And so I think that's absolutely key. Super powerful. Let's talk about some of your real estate deals. So you um, mentioned an enormous amount of transactions that you've done that I think I mean, most realtors, I mean, I don't know business that well, million? but you know, I think most realtors would be happy to do that over several years or maybe in some cases in their career. Um, tell us about these deals. How, how you know, tell us about your first deal. What was that like? And then scaling up as the numbers get larger, how does the, how does the game change if at all? Yeah, my first deal came actually about a year and a half after I got licensed. So 
to anybody starting any kind of business, any realtor, any mortgage broker, any, any business, e-commerce. It took me a year and a half to see my first taste of real estate money, a year and a half. And that came because I was running some Facebook ads, which is obviously, you know, totally different than what I'm teaching now, which is go towards your direct ne direct network that already know, like, and trust you. But I was running some Facebook ads and this one guy reached out to me about pre-construction investing. And I think I could tell by the sound of his voice, he could tell by the sound of my voice that we were quite young. And he says, well, the fact that you and I are talking about investing at 20 years old, no one else our age group is doing this. I don't know who you are, but we should meet up. And then he invited me out to his dad's investment property in downtown Toronto. And then that, that, there we met, we started talking about investing. And then eventually, you know, we, we, we established a relationship. He actually didn't buy from me until maybe four months after we first met. And I never tried to pitch him anything directly. It's the fact that we established a relationship, you know, built some rapport. Eventually down the road, when he was ready to pull the trigger, he ended up buying his first investment property with me. And then after that, he actually got licensed himself as a realtor a few months later. And then when he got licensed, he had another friend that was in real estate and well, excuse me, that was actively investing in real estate, but they didn't know how to do pre-construction condo investments, which is what I specialize in. So the gentleman that, that my, my friend, he, he brought me in and said, look, I have two clients that want to invest in pre-construction. You know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. Can you, can we go 50, 50 on this deal? You know, couple of weeks later where you know we do two deals together and then those two deals ended up turning into a, another two deals because of referrals and, and that's pretty much how it all started but yeah i mean long story short i mean it was a year and a half till i got my first taste of real estate money and then it snowballed into like five six deals within like the matter of like five months or excuse me in the matter of one month well i think that's such an impactful part of your story because it is so important i think like you said when you're starting a business to have patience like you did the work you went and you, you know, went and trained for a year, right? Being an assistant and watching and learning before you even sold your first property, which I think is a, a key component that people try to gloss over or try to get past. They don't want to actually learn and learn how to be the best before they actually go and do the work. So I think that's super powerful. But what I'm also hearing is that once you took off, you scaled pretty quickly and you grew pretty quickly. So what did you learn throughout that process that you think is really important for people to know, especially at a, a younger age, like stepping into such leadership and having a team and scaling and doing massive deals? What did you learn that you can share with the people that are listening? Yeah, I mean, if you're in sales, the most important thing that you can do is this. And for those that are listening and not watching, I'm, I'm making like a phone you know, symbol with my hands. I, I think you got to hit the phones as much as possible. You got to be able to connect with as many people as possible and you have to, you have to get in front of as many faces as possible. I mean, the importance of this podcast isn't necessarily just for fun. I'm sure everybody here enjoys it, but it's also to reach as many people as possible. So if, if you're in sales, the first thing you have to do is get over the fear of picking up the phone. You, you can call for the silliest things. You can send an email and call them regarding that email, or you can just call your clients and say, Hey, listen, I sent you an email. Did you get it? They're going to say, no, I never got it. Well, no problem. Well, now that I have you on the phone, we were just trying to reach you to talk about X, Y, Z. So there's always a reason to call somebody. 
So as a salesperson, if you're looking to get far in the business, you have to shake as many hands as possible. And the quickest way to do that with technology nowadays is just picking up the phone. I think if you can meet people in person, that's better. But I mean, obviously everyone's time is limited. So to, to scale that as fast as possible, you just got to hit the phones. You got to call as many people as possible. You got to get in front of uh, in front of as many people as possible as well. So let's look backwards for a second and then I'll follow up and we'll look forwards. But looking backwards, um, what's been the scariest thing, the biggest lesson that you've learned in this short run of massive success? What's the what what tell us something that you think went wildly wrong. Maybe even now in hindsight, you're like, that was a great lesson. Um, and maybe that's a way to look at it. What's the biggest lesson that you've learned so far? I think biggest lesson so far, I've made so many mistakes and, 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 and as a result of that, I've learned so many lessons. <laughs> I'd say probably cash is king. Cash is king. And I think more importantly, I think it, it might sound bad, but I think fast cash is king. Because if you have slow money coming in, it's hard for you to make any kind of moves. Even if Bitcoin were to drop to zero right now and you have zero, how can you buy Bitcoin, right? You need money and you need to get it fast. So that sense of urgency, knowing that nothing is getting cheaper, inflation is getting higher and higher. You know what I mean? The competition is getting deadlier and deadlier because there's guys like all three of us here that are ready to dominate any industry. I think with that understanding, I think you should have a sense of urgency that you need to develop your business faster. You need to sell faster and you need to collect cash faster to then use that money to reinvest and grow uh, faster. I, that lesson, I, I say that's probably one of my biggest lessons because just like any other young entrepreneur, we tend to do a lot of stupid things with their money. That works for me because I have a genuine sense of urgency and fire under my ass that, that has never once burnt out. I hate taking a day off. It makes me very anxious. Uh, but because of that, I'm always on the offense. I'm not the type of person to play defense. So if you're looking to, at least this is for me, the reason why I'm, I was able to sell as many real estate, as much real estate properties as I have over the last two or three years is because I was always on the offense. I was always, when's, I was always thinking, when's the next deal coming? When's the next deal coming? Is it coming next week? No, I need it next two days. Mm -hmm. And, and. And I think with that level of sense of sense of urgency is what got me to where I was. And I think to anybody that lacks that sense of urgency, I think that might be your biggest downfall. But in this, so this is not a kryptonite moment. This is a, a genuine moment um, at your age and with the success that you've had. Now let's look to, into the future. And I'm really interested to hear what you think might be some of the pitfalls what do you wish you knew? What do you think that, man, in the next 10 years, I'm going to have to figure out blank. What is it that, you know, in, in, in your young mind, you're trying to solve for other than just the velocity of transaction? What are some of the, the subject matters or the topics or things that you're like, man, I'm really going to have to solve for this? Yeah. So, I mean, if we look at some of the wealthiest families, families in the, in the, on the planet, you know, the Rockefellers, et cetera, et cetera. If you actually really study them, they're very quiet. And it's very hard to be quiet in a world where there's cameras everywhere, social media is on everyone's phone. We're, you know, we're all establishing an online footprint. Something that we're all going to need to learn. And it's something that's, that hasn't been cracked just yet. So I think we're all going through it together. 
that if you're going to, if you have the intentions of having a big enough presence online through your success, you have to be able to be quiet as, be as quiet as possible. Because the more things you say, the more things that can possibly get you in trouble. Even if you've done nothing wrong, if someone doesn't like you, like from a political standpoint, they'll find a way to take you down. And I'm saying that for personal friends of mine that are honest people, but because, you know, they have sided on the wrong side politically, or they've made, you know, wrong investments with the wrong business partners, you know, the people that want to take them down know exactly how to take them down because they're everywhere. It's not hard to find people. So I think one of the biggest obstacles upcoming successful entrepreneurs and already established entrepreneurs are going to see in the next coming years is how do we stay off the radar as much as possible because the government's going to be on you for the silliest things. And more importantly, people that don't like you in your business, your competitors, they're going to try to take you down. And, and uh, you know, the game is ruthless. People will do it apart from like, they're, they're going to do it on a personal level. And I've seen that happen to close friends of mine. And, and I think that's something we're all going to have to, to learn along the way. Well, you know who learned that lesson is Andrew, Andrew. Tate, yeah, yeah. right? Like He's learning you know, it and right I, now. And I love that. He knew it with, was coming though. Well, yeah, he, he predicted that, but yeah. I love that comparison, you know, with the Rothschilds, the, the Rockefellers, that is absolutely true. Um, and that that is the market difference between them and even say, you know, Andrew, Andrew Tate, Grant Cardone, that are loud and they make themselves a target. I think Andrew, either purposefully or just how it played out, made himself a target. And I think that, you know, there's been lots of discussion. I think that um, coupled with Luke's observation, you also have that these, um, and it goes back to the previous points that he was making, um, these families have strong alliances, mm -hmm. right? And I think that that was one of the things that Andrew was extremely loud and vocal, but didn't have really deep big rooted, deep alliances deep he had alliances, like a sprinkling right. of these like you know fans out there but he didn't have the alliances that the rockefellers you know those are the families like the clintons that probably at some point become known as one of these families as well i mean and you know i know that our audience is very conspiracy theory oriented and going to say the illuminati and all of that <laughs> but to luke's point i mean absolutely um that is a great thing i, I want to um wrap up here luke with especially because you bring unique insights because of your age. Um, so you couple your age with your success and you're in an industry, real estate, right. especially our audience. Great, huge appetite for real estate, right? Especially on the investment side. What do you see as the future of real estate? I noticed that you also have some, some indications on your website about who's owning real estate, not only just in the United States or Canada, but in the world. Um, you know, for someone of your generation, what is the future of real estate? Yeah, I think the numbers speak for itself. If you look at Canadian real estate over the last 100 years, you're going to see that every 10 years, property values double. I'll give you an example. Exactly 20 years ago, actually 21 years ago now, since we're in 2023, 21 years ago, the average price for a home in Canada was about 250 grand. And the average income for an, indi an individual ages from 18 to 24 was about 15 grand. Now today, that same age demographic, their income is now 17 grand, but the average price for a property in Canada is close to 750 grand. So prices have three X, but incomes have only gone up by like $2,000.
that's nothing. The gap between the rich and the poor is getting wider and wider. The 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 opportunity for young Canadians to get into the real estate market is almost impossible. Like, how can you finance a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar property making seventeen twenty grand a year? Even you know you're going to have to look to outside sources like help from mom and dad or partnering with your friends and and your cousins and your uncles and aunts. What I see. In real estate, as I see that it's just going to get more and more expensive, and that's done very purposeful. The reason why that happens is just obviously because of naturally inflation, but because the more people that get into the market, you know, the less properties there are, the, the more properties are, that are going to get taken off the market. So that's simply just going to drive up the, 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 the cost more and more. My advice to these young Canadians that are getting tapped out or even some of these older Canadians that don't own real estate yet is to look at pre-construction because that way you can get into property without having to put down all of your money right away. That's smart. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's super insightful too. I mean, I think probably if we looked at the numbers here in the United States, we would be seeing similar patterns and trajectories as well. And so- well, it is getting harder and harder for people to own real estate. Well, and, you know, so Luke speaking to his generation, but I'm also hearing for old people like you and I, yeah. tremendous opportunities out there in, in the investment world because right. of that gap, right? right? So people are being forced into renting. And that's why you see all of this institutional money coming into real estate, Buying driving that up. gap yep. even further. But for anybody that has the ability to jump in as an investment, um, you know, Luke just signaled that from his eyes forecasting out, this will continue to be one, you're going to appreciate value Two, you're always going to have renters because of that gap between the income and the ability to buy. Um, this is something that could be extremely smart. Um, now, the last thing for Luke is the transition. And you're way too young to do this, Luke. You're 22 years old. But here's what at some point in your life, and you're starting to do it, you transition from being paid for what you do to being paid for what you know. Mm -hmm. And you're beginning that process, right? Because you have Sorry, your website, Luke Leasing, L-U-C-L-I-S-I-N-G.com. And I see that you're beginning to offer guidance, mentorship. Um, tell us about kind of what you see as a future for helping other young people or maybe even older people to find success in real estate. Yeah, going back to the first story that I shared with you guys at the start of this interview, I wasn't even supposed to get the mentorship that I got from Jazz. I only got it because I was just so sick and tired of the situation that was I was in and no one wanted to help me, as no one should, because nobody's here to save you. Nobody's here. No one's going to care about helping you as much as you care about yourself. If I could be the person I wish I had at even before 19, that would be helpful for myself because there's just there's nothing that feels better than helping others so my goal with my website and being on these podcasts isn't to sell anything i actually don't have a course i don't have a training program i don't have one-on-one -on -one consulting it's simply just to one share my story to let others know regardless if you're 22 or 52 to know that here's what you need to do to get started in business and how i've done it and also to establish credibility, because going back to what we were talking about all throughout this podcast, everybody here has an online footprint. And the more people that you reach, the more you can do business. So that's essentially my goal. That's what I forecast in the next coming years is that I, I'd love to I have the intentions of 
sharing my story more and more so that others can learn from my mistakes. They can use me as the guinea pig. And more importantly, so I can build relationships and establish credibility here in the online world. Well, I mean, and Anna, I know you're going to close out, but Luke, like you said earlier, you know, you have a desire to provide value to people in the world. And when you provide value, like you are coming on this podcast, sharing your story, putting it out there so that other people can learn, it's going to come back to you. Maybe not directly, but in many other ways where you're going to massively grow and continue on the success trajectory. So I love that you're out there doing that because I know it's going to benefit a lot of people and create a massive uh, ripple effect in the real estate world. Yeah, you see people like Luke that are absolutely killing it in their industry, no matter what it is. And then you automatically feel like, oh, I'm sure he's super busy, kind of probably like how Jazz or Luke felt about Jazz when he reached out. Um, This is one of those times where I really want to encourage everybody to reach out to Luke. Um, Via Instagram. Luke Leasing. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) LukeLeasing.com or on Instagram where he said he spends more of his time on social. That would be the platform to reach out to him. Um, And I love that. Like he wants to be for you what he wishes that he had. Again, it doesn't matter. You could be 46 and you might, maybe you've been in the real estate game for a while and you're struggling and you're like, you know, what can this guy teach me? Well, he's obviously figured some things out that maybe other people haven't figured out. And I think even more important than that, and that's pretty dang important, is that he's made himself accessible. He wants to help you because he recognizes, which is very, very mature, that he recognized that somebody gave him a break, which he said, like, I didn't even deserve it. Like, I I just got it. So now he's willing to give back. Reach out to him, LukeLeasing.com or on Instagram. Luke, thank you so much for being on the None of Your Business podcast. You absolutely killed it. Sean and Lacey, thank you so much. All right, everybody. We will try to top this one. I don't know how we do it, but we'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of None of Your Business podcast.